is the Fantasy Show with Show Ali and Matt Marchese on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's Sunday morning, and you know what that means. It's time for the Fantasy Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Matt Marchese alongside you this Sunday morning as we get set for week nine across the NFL. Thursday night football a few nights ago. Today, more football all day long. We're here to get you set with injury news notes, start sits for every game. And of course, of course, as always, your questions on the people's text line. Shoot us a fantasy question at 590-590, name and location. We will answer as many of them as possible on the air at the top of the second hour. Uh, we will get to all of them, period, at the end of the show. But, Mr. Marchese, how are you this fine November morning? Did you take advantage of uh, daylight savings time, or did you do what I did and just go to bed an hour later so it was just an entirely a wash? So last night we actually stayed out later than we Ooh. thought we were going to. Wow. Just one. It wasn't even done on purpose. So my wife and I, we got home, and it was like 11.30, and we, and we got our daughter down, and I just looked at her and went, oh, no, it's 11.30. And then I went, oh, wait, I get an extra hour of sleep. So this is not a horrible thing. Um, I got up feeling um, very rejuvenated this morning. How about that, show? Okay, there you go. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, um, I went to – okay, I guess the clocks turned back. At 2 a.m. Like at 2 a.m., it went back to 1 a.m., I guess is what happens, right? Yeah. And I, it was like 1.58, and I was like, oh, I should probably get to bed. Like I got to get up early. And then I think I like, I don't know, I put my phone down. I went to get a glass of water. I came back, and then it was 1 a.m., and I thought to myself, man, like am I losing my mind? Am I like living in the twilight crazy? zone? Yeah. Like I, I honestly, my wife had to be like, oh, hey, you, you must be really happy. Daylight uh, savings time was rolled back. And I thought, oh my gosh. I honestly, I honestly thought something crazy had happened or like I lost an hour of time or something like that. But uh, in the end, uh, it's funny because I, I just, I'm a, I don't know if you know, I've never ever, ever said this to you, but I'm a, I'm a pretty big night owl. I like, I, I love to stay up late. I do not like to get up early and, uh, whenever daylight savings time comes around, I, I don't know about you. I don't, there must be a term for this, but I always feel like before I go to bed, I always have, look, I have, to, have to look at my phone for a certain amount of time because otherwise I feel like I'm wasting the time I have to myself. I don't know if there's like a term for that, but I, boy, it's, uh, it's, it's rough when you have to wake up early on Sunday mornings. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the, the thing is, I was just saying this to, uh, to our technical operator, Austin, and I told him, I said, I only like daylight savings one day of the year. And that's today when I get the extra hour of sleep because the rest of it, like when I'm watching football, that's when I really notice it is because I'm literally, you know, my ass is planted on the couch for like however many hours of the day on Sundays watching football. And you know that like by the time the second string of games comes around, it's dark and you're like, what the hell is this? Like, it feels like midnight and it's five o'clock in the afternoon and that's the worst that is the absolute worst i think we should get rid of daylight savings time just be done with it because it's a lot nicer when the day you know when you get a little bit extra daylight at night as opposed to the morning i still don't understand it it's true yeah when it, when it's like you know in the middle of the summer when it's like uh, like 8 or 9 p.m and there's still like a, it's like dusk in the sky instead of completely pitch black yeah I'm uh, I, I'm all for that. Well, I hope everyone out there who uh, is affected at the very least by daylight savings time uh, did manage to get an hour, an extra hour of sleep. If not, well, I appreciate you waking up early with us here on the Fantasy Show. Uh, again, text us at 590-590. See the text rolling in here right now for your fantasy questions this week nine. But uh, before we start our start sits, 
Matt, there are a lot of teams on buy this week, like a whole ton of teams. I have no doubt that virtually every person who like actually wakes up and listens to a show about fantasy football on a Sunday morning probably has one player or two or three on buy. Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, 49ers, all on their bye week this week. And now before we get into the start sits, I did want to take a look back with you at Thursday Night Football because... I got to say, it was it was a strange game. Eagles win 29-17. to 17. Also, I didn't know this until after the game. Jalen Hurts is now 11-0 in his last 11 starts. And on top of that, the Eagles are now 8-0. The Eagles and their storied franchise as a team, they have, they have never, ever started 8-0, ever. In their history as a franchise, they have never started 8-0. So first time for everything, they are off to an 8-0 start this season. Uh, better than the quote-unquote dream team start from almost a decade ago, or I guess a little over a decade ago now. But uh, Jalen Hurts leading the way for the Philadelphia Eagles again, 29-17. But it was funny, right? Because Brandon Cooks was ruled out for the Texans pretty early on. It looked like it was doubtful after he didn't get traded at the deadline. Uh, Nico Collins what did not practice all week. He did not play in the end either. So... Davis Mills basically was throwing to guys that you probably have not thought a lot about this season, like Philip Dorsett, Chris Moore, OJ Howard, like Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore caught seven passes between them. No other player caught more than one. So it's just, it was a really strange game. A lot of people wanting to start the Philly defense and yet the Texans still put up 17 points in the end. I just, wait, were you surprised by that at all? Because Damian Pierce being absolutely phenomenal I'm not surprised by it, but I was surprised that by the fact that he was able to churn out 139 yards, despite the fact that he was pretty much the only genuine offensive weapon for Houston. Yeah, it was a weird game. They scored 17 points and Davis Mills threw two interceptions included in that. Like that, I think that's even like to take it a step further. I think that was even more surprising when you look at the overall, um, the overall picture of the game. Davis Mills was, you know, he was fine, but the Damian Pierce one was the surprising one for me because he was the only, like you said, he was the only offensive weapon that they had. And you would think that the Eagles would funnel their, their defensive scheme to just, Hey, let's just stop Damian Pierce. And maybe he just, maybe he can't be stopped. I don't know, but I was going into that game with the Eagles defense in a couple of spots. And I'm like, okay, they're going to get a ton of sacks because guys aren't going to be able to get open. They're going to, they're going to have their interceptions, which they did, but they were just okay. Like I know I saw some people tweeting, like the Eagles are going to be an RB one territory in terms of fantasy scoring this week. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know what? That's probably not inaccurate based on the situation, based on who they're playing. This goes to show all of us that, the Thursday night games will always be weird. They will never make sense. Weird things happen all the time in them. And the Texans keeping that game close and covering the spread, which I believe finished up the night at minus 13 and a half. Okay. I mean, that's a lot of points for a road team. It doesn't matter how good you are, but the, the Texans, they showed up. They were better than I thought. But at the end of the day, I don't know how much of the full Eagles experience we got. Like Devonte Devonte Smith was held off the the score sheet basically. I think he had two catches for twenty two yards, which ended up costing me a lot of money because I had a nice little parlay and uh, him getting to not forty four yards was was an <laughs> issue. But um, Dallas Goddard again, if dare I say Dallas Goddard is the most underrated fantasy tight end 
in the league right now because that was an impressive performance. And we talk about reliability. I mean, Mark Andrews is hurt, and we'll get to that later. But outside of Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, I think you can absolutely make the case that Dallas Goddard is tight end three. Yeah, oh, yeah. I would, I would definitely say so. I, even with the injury to Mark Andrews, because he's been kind of iffy as of late, it looks he. I think he's been listed as doubtful for uh, for Monday Night Football. So keep that in mind, people. So you know whether you're going to pick up Isaiah Likely or uh, Matt's favorite Evan Engram, like if, whatever, whoever you're going to pick up, definitely keep yeah, that in mind for tomorrow, for tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like even if considering Mark Andrews has been injured, I know he's had some huge weeks this year. I dare say because Dallas Goddard has been so consistent week in and week out, like I, he probably will finish the year unless something really crazy happens. I bet he finishes the year as TE2 behind Kelsey. I don't, I don't honestly don't think that's at this point, given that what we've seen from him, not just from Thursday night, because there was a, there, I think it was the, the stretch he scored on that drive. I think on that drive alone, he caught, I want to say four to five passes from Jalen Hurts. It was like literally like, it was like what I do in Madden whenever I have like a player that's like, you know, in the, in the zone or whatever, <laughs> you just, you just feed that guy over and over and over and over again. Dallas Goddard finished the night with eight catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown. Like he was, he was absolutely on fire. You know, I've talked about this before though. I mean, generally speaking, the tight, tight end spot, the tight end position is so barren. It's an absolute wasteland. And that's why you often have guys like Taysom Hill, for example, starting on a week-to-week basis for you because the upside for a lot of these guys, is, like the, the, I should say, this, the the floor for a lot of these guys is zero, and the ceiling for a lot of these guys is like like six or seven. It feels like so if you can get a guy who has a ceiling anywhere higher than that, I I, I will take that guy and run. But Dallas Goddard has been so 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 consistent that, and you you mentioned he might be one of the most underrated tight ends in the entire league, Matt. I, I honestly do think that if if a, if a team ever used Dallas Goddard, and I've said this to you before, in the same way that the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey or that the Patriots used to use Rob Gronkowski, like if they ever featured him in such a way, he probably would be, maybe with Kelsey getting up there somewhat, somewhat in age, I, I honestly think he'd be the best tight end in the NFL. It, there, you could you could make the case, and and you might very well be able to make the case. I mean, once Travis Kelsey retires, I mean, although he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. No, Dallas Goddard has shown, and it, the, the funniest part about Dallas Goddard going to the Eagles was that they jumped ahead of the Dallas Cowboys to select Dallas Goddard. That was the best part of right. all of this, the interdivisional or intradivisional uh, rivalry. But listen. Dallas Goddard, when you watch him, like he he does look like a tight end, but once he gets the ball in his hands, he's so athletic. And and I think that's the sneaky part about his game because I think a lot of people don't view him as that. But just remember that at one point in time, the Philadelphia Eagles had both Zach Ertz, who was at the peak of his performance as a Philadelphia Eagle, and Dallas Goddard on the same roster. Much like you know, the the New England Patriots at one point when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And we know about all the other stuff with Aaron Hernandez. We don't need to go into it. But, like, when you talk about on-the-field performance, you could make the argument that that was a very close duo to Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. That's true. Yeah, it's definitely true. It's funny to see that. It's it's funny to see the way the tight end spot has evolved over the years also, just to see, like, how, how important it has become to fantasy and I don't know, like, I, I know, again, I know the, I know for a lot of players, tight ends are like essentially glorified wide receivers. Like it's like, for example, Mark Andrews, 
basically plays as a wide receiver. Kyle Pitts, despite the year that it, that's best for me forgotten, plays as a wide receiver instead of a tight end, right? So I, I, I think if you have Dallas Goddard, yeah, he's as close to a set-it-and-forget-it guy as humanly possible. And uh, if you can find any sort of value anywhere in the tight end position, whether it's, yeah, Evan Engram or this week is a likely or anyone else, I think you definitely take that uh, and you run. Uh, real quick, last thing on Thursday Night Football, Matt, uh, Jalen Hurts, 21 of 27, 243 yards, two touchdowns. He had nine carries for 23 yards as well. Nine quarterback rushes, I should say, for 23 yards, uh, the way he runs the ball. And, you know, it's, the funny thing is Jalen Hurts, he has been so consistent. The odd thing was, despite the fact that they won by double-digit points, the uh, fantasy point output from Jalen Hurts was his third worst output of the entire season. And he still put up over 20 points. Like, that is a true, like, in a year like 2022, where the difference between the top, let's say, I'm trying to think of, like, the names. I guess, let's say the top four or five guys. And I guess those would be, like, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts himself, and maybe Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Kyler Murray. We'll see if things pick back up for Murray towards the end of the year. But definitely those first four and, like, maybe Burrow. And the drop-off from those five to basically everyone else is so massive that if you have any one of them, it helps your lineup immensely, whether it's a one or two QB league. And it's crazy to think that Hertz had like a 20-point output, which is a rare thing from starting quarterbacks in fantasy football in 2022, and it was his third worst game of the year. Well, he's he's playing at an MVP-type level, and you and I had this conversation before the season started. Like, I don't think that we saw this. We thought he was going to be a decent fantasy court, not decent. We thought he was going to be a really good fantasy quarterback. We weren't sure if he was going to be the future of the Philadelphia Eagles, especially, you know, in terms of the fact that they have, you know, first round picks to play with next year, which in, in a year where we expect it to be a pretty good quarterback draft, you know, that was something that was, you know, he, they, we definitely had our sights on the Eagles drafting a quarterback. That's not going to happen now. When you look at Jalen Hurts' season, he's second in points per game among quarterbacks. And he's just he's been way better than I thought. He's not turning the ball over. And I think that's the big key here. He only has 12 passing touchdowns in eight games, but he's only thrown two interceptions. He's got 326 rushing yards, but he has six rushing touchdowns. So when we look at the overall scheme of things, 18 total touchdowns, and he has only two interceptions. I can't see where his fumbles are. I'm sure he's got a couple, but I'm sure it's no more than a couple. Jalen Hurts has been, you can make the case that Jalen Hurts is the leading candidate for the MVP because he's basically been consistent from week one. Josh Allen, you know, may have heard his MVP case with the game uh, last week against the Packers because he wasn't great in the second half. I mean, the whole team wasn't, but Jalen Hurts right now for my money and and I hate saying this because I don't love the Eagles. I actually hate the Eagles, and I am really not. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of their fans. But Jalen Hurts might be the leading candidate for MVP, both in real life and in fantasy. So what you're saying is that you don't feel bad for Phillies fans after the Astros won the World Series? God no, they booed Santa Claus. No way. They have a show. They have a jail under their stadium. Like, I mean, what is this world that we live in? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, uh, I, I will say uh, real quick on the World Series, I, I, I don't, I, it feels wrong somehow to say that I was actually hoping 
the Astros won the World Series for no other reason. Not, I have no love lost for Jose Altuve or whatever, but I, I got to say I was very pleased to see Dusty Baker win a World Series ring as a manager. He is like, I got, oh, he, yeah. he might be like the great good guy, like the cool guy, like everyone's cool uncle or whatever out of in the world of baseball. And it's, he's come so close so many times. I, I got to say, I was pretty, I was pretty happy to see Dusty like hugging his son and like going to hug all the players and all the players saying, we did this for you, Dusty. Like for, if for no other reason, that was the only reason I was happy to see the, uh, the Astros win in the end. Oh yeah. Dusty Baker seems like your, your grandpa that you sit down and he tells you stories yeah. and they're always great stories because he's, you know, he's cool. Grandpa Dusty. Like that, I, that is, I, I always root for Dusty Baker because he does feel like one of the really good guys in baseball. So congratulations to Dusty Baker. The hell with the rest of the Houston Astros. Okay, you know what? I, I think it's fair. Except for future Blue Jay, Justin Verlander. Did I say that out loud? I honestly thought you were going to say a future Blue, Blue Jay like Jeremy Pena, but we'll probably, it's probably like a long time before we uh, can possibly entertain that happening. But I think you're probably right though. Justin Verlander is probably as good as gone. Hey, real quick, Matt, if uh, when JV goes into the Hall of Fame, does he go in as an Astro or does he go in as a Tiger? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because it does feel like this resurgence that he's had with the Astros has kind of helped get him into yeah, the Hall he won, of Fame. So he won an MVP in a Cy Young in 13 seasons with the Tigers, and he's now won a Cy Young and two championships with the Astros in, I think, six years. He hasn't been there that long, but six years. It, I think he still goes in as a Tiger. I think so, too. I think. Yeah. I think, but you, it's a good, it's a really good question. Uh, let's take a very quick break here as well before we continue our, our start sits because, um, we again, a lot of teams on by, so we can get to a whole bunch of them on the other side of the break. And again, if you want to text us, your fantasy football questions at 590, 590. Leave your name and location. You can do so. We will get to all of your, or as many of them as possible, of your questions at the top of the next hour. But you're listening to the Fantasy Show, showing Matt on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese alongside you as we're getting set for week nine in the NFL. We just talked about Eagles, Texans in the previous segment today. More football injury news notes. Start sits for every single game. And of course, your questions on the people's text line. Start Shoot us a fantasy question at 590-590, name and location. We will answer as many of them as possible on the air at the top of the next hour in about 25 minutes or so. We'll get to all of them, period, at the end of the show. I will do my best not to take a nap after the show because that's what I did last week, and I think I did, in fact, miss some texts. So we will make sure we don't miss any texts <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. I, so we, we got more time to get to them today. Exactly. Have, like, no games to talk about. Exactly. You know, it's what, what, wait, because what usually happens, Matt, is that you and I hop on a phone call at, like, like maybe, like, five minutes after the end of the show. I'm, like, literally still sitting in the studio. We get on the phone. We chat answer the questions and then you usually run some errands and then I usually go do some other things around the station and then I usually go home but last weekend I, like I there's usually some other shift waiting for me after the show is done and there was none last weekend and I just went home and I'm like huh this is weird oh yeah I have nothing to do I fell asleep on the couch and I, and I woke up at like 1:15. I'm like oh crap I didn't look at the text line so I will not do that here this Sunday morning um Real quick, before we get to the rest of the, the, the start sits and get started on this, I don't know if you saw this. This is a, instead of a football, this is more of a, a football thing. Um, yesterday, Jonathan, uh, Alfonso Davies, pardon me. Alfonso Davies was, uh, I almost said Jonathan Taylor. Alfonso Davies had uh, pulled up in, a, in a, a match against, I believe, 
Bayern Munich was playing Hertha Berlin in a Bundesliga match yesterday. And I'll be the first person to say I do not watch a lot of uh, soccer slash football. But uh, obviously that was concerning because I think his he, you know, he's a star player of Team Canada. The World Cup starts in now 14 days. Bayern Munich announced this morning that he will miss the next two Bundesliga matches, but his participation in the World Cup is not at risk. So that's always that's always nice to hear. It's, a, it's always a nice thing to hear two weeks before the World Cup starts and Canada is back in there for the first time in, like, I don't know, my lifetime, essentially. Yeah, and, I mean, that is that is a sigh of relief for um, for Team Canada. I mean, it, it's not a tough schedule, I don't believe, for Bayern the next two games. So I wonder if they're just kind of doing them a favor. I mean, at the end of the day, they want them to be healthy. So I, I get why they're doing it, but... Yeah, when I saw that and I saw that he may not be able to participate in the World Cup, that was the initial kind of report. And I just went, well, that was fun while it lasted. Because if they have any chance of winning a game, this is not a slight against anybody else on the team. I mean, Alfonso Davies is one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, if you don't have him, that might be a little bit tough against like Belgium, who's, I believe, ranked second in the world and Croatia was in the top 12. Yeah, they're kind of good. Um, the, the easy one, and it's not even an easy one with Morocco, uh, is until your last game where it could mean nothing. So, yeah, they definitely need Alfonso Davies. So glad to hear that he's going to be participating in a few weeks. The World Cup starts, which is so weird. And let's never do a World Cup in Qatar again. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the part of the world, part of the fun of the World Cup is that it's in like the summer. I think so. I uh, I agree. Hopefully that we don't. When get nothing else is going on except baseball, yeah, that's a, it's a really nice little uh, mix in there. Yeah, you don't have to, to give us something else to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, you don't have to watch like the Blue Jays game is over, and you don't have to watch like Rockies Marlins or something like on a random Wednesday night. <laughs> you can actually watch the World Cup. So yeah, I one hundred percent agree. But always good to hear that a star of Team Canada, Alfonso Davies, is uh, is is not going to miss any time it would seem, at the World Cup starting in a couple of weeks. Okay, let's get into our start sits here. Uh, We'll start with Chargers at Falcons. And uh, the Chargers, it's interesting, right? Because Justin Herbert, you draft him as a QB1, and whether you're in a 1QB, 2QB, Superflex League, doesn't matter. You draft him to be a QB1. I would say, on the whole, Matt, Herbert has been... Like a bit of a disappointment this season. And again, I know he was injured. There was that point where like he couldn't even run past the first down marker on fourth down. And he clearly couldn't throw the ball all that well. And then like, you know, a couple, uh, one or two plays later, unleashes a pass on a frozen rope all the way down the field to DeAndre Carter. Like it just, he's obviously incredibly talented, but just fantasy point production wise, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions, I'm hoping the bye was enough time for him to get right last week because he hasn't looked entirely right. And when you draft a player like Herbert, you're hoping to get a little bit more out of him. Yeah, it's been pretty disappointing. According to fantasydata.com, he's currently QB 13, which I don't think anybody... I didn't have that on my bingo card. I can certainly say that. And the, the thing is, it's like, okay, he gets healthy from... Coming back from the bye, we would assume he's healthier. He may not be full health. I doubt he is. But he's healthier. And it's like, oh, by the way, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both going to be out. So have fun with that. Uh, Josh Palmer walks into a starting role here. The Falcons, not very good on defense, as we very well know. And Josh Palmer, the Brampton native, has, has shown up when one or two of those guys are out, he's going to be the main guy. Uh, DeAndre Carter looks like he's probably second in line, but the guy that I'm really kind of looking at to have a, a nice game here is Gerald Everett. Donald Parham 
goes on the IR, and Atlanta's giving up the eighth most points per game to tight ends. Again, it's a situation where six teams on by. I mean, you're you're without David Njoku is hurt, but you're without him. You're without Dalton Schultz. You're without Greg Dulcich, which now we're calling him Dulcich because apparently that's his name. Okay. Um, you're you're without uh, Pat Fryermuth. You're without George Kittle. Those are really good tight ends in that grouping. So if Gerald Everett is available and you're looking for a spot start, I would lock in Gerald Everett. I think he's going to have a big game. I think you're probably right, too. Like you mentioned, Donald Parham going on the IR, definitely. Like It's not that Donald Parham was was necessarily you know, fantasy relevant before, but his presence, I think, kind of muddied the waters for someone like Gerald Everett because before Parham came back earlier in the season, Gerald Everett was great. He was, he was very, very good. Even if he wasn't catching touchdowns, still catching a ton of t- – a ton of passes, just seeing, generally speaking, a lot of targets. So I like that one. I'm a big fan of Josh Palmer this week. And again, like you said, with uh, with no, with so many guys on buys, like if you have like a CeeDee Lamb, for example, or you have a Cortland Sutton, or you have one of those guys, uh, yeah, you definitely could do a lot worse than Josh Palmer. Canada's own Josh Palmer. And uh, on the Atlanta Falcons side, you have Marcus Mariota. You got Cordero Patterson, who has been activated. He was activated off the IR. I still think if you have Tyler, and again, you mentioned the the name pronunciation. I actually, I'm pretty sure I'm now learning his name is Tyler Algier. I think it's Tyler yeah, we're, Algier. We're really screwing the pooch here. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we screw that guy's name up like sing every single week. But Tyler Algier uh, is still playable, though. He is still playable because I got to think that I'm sure Cordero Patterson, they were being cautious with him because they know he's a talented player. He's dynamic. So they're not going to rush him back like last week. They're going to let him play this week when he's a little healthier. But at the same time, this is a team that runs the ball so, so, so much. They're like to their own detriment almost, it feels sometimes, that honestly, Algier is probably more than startable. If if not as an RB2 or 3, at the very least as a flex play in this one week until we see how the distribution of carries goes. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm good with that. Like, Caleb Huntley kind of falls down the pecking order here. He's not startable. But in terms of in terms of starting Algier, and I guess I guess that's what we're going with here. Instead of like <laughs> I, I don't I don't see Cordero Patterson getting a ton of run. Like I think he's gonna get I mean by a ton of run, he'd probably get double digit touches today. But I, he's not going to get like he's not getting 18 carries. Right. I don't think I would be I would be stunned by that. Um, and it's just the, the Atlanta offense. I mean, they've completely eliminated Drake London from fantasy relevance after what started out like he started out like a bandit. Yeah, like he was incredible the first two weeks, and then Kyle Pitts was invisible, and it's like, oh, okay. I mean, they'll get they'll get Kyle Pitts involved, and then they got nobody involved. Then it was like, oh, we're just going to run the ball a thousand times a game. Arthur Smith, the fantasy kryptonite. Um, but Kyle Pitts, I mean, last week, he had a, a good week last week because he told everybody not to play him. So this week, we're going to say to play him and he's going to suck, right? That's usually what happens. That's usually yeah. what happens, yeah. Yeah. Uh, D- <laughs> Demir Bird is an interesting dart throw because he does have touchdowns the last two weeks. He's only done it on six targets. And I know that that's not a lot to go off of, but... This does kind of feel like a game that the Falcons are going to have to at least throw the ball a little bit to be relevant. I'm not starting Drake London. I will start Kyle Pitts. And if you need a a punt play at the wide receiver position, Demir Bird, like I said, uh, touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. One was a 75-yard touchdown. He only had the one catch. But last week he had six targets, so a little bit more optimism with him. 
I do wonder when it comes to Kyle Pitts at the very least, and, and Demir Bird, I, I, I don't dislike the play, but I think that, that for me, I think the Bird play is more of a, if you're doing a DFS lineup. It's a Bird lineup, play. Yeah, bird, yeah bird, it's a yeah. Bird play. <laughs> I think if you're, if you're a, uh, doing DFS lineups and you're, you're trying to fill out cheap, like the, the very end of your lineup on a, in a cheap way, I feel like maybe Demir Bird is, a, is not too bad an option. But Kyle Pitts, like one of the things about the Chargers defense we've talked about a bunch of times has been uh, Derwin James. And uh, Derwin James, the, the safety, he's great in coverage. He, see, he often sees tight ends is his thing. And I, I'm so curious to see how Derwin James handles Kyle Pitts today because Kyle Pitts, we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about Mark Andrews and and uh, and Dallas Goddard and so on. But Derwin James, when he covers tight ends, they're pretty much, like not, maybe not unstartable, but they just don't see a lot of volume compared to even like Travis Kelsey was relatively speaking held in check by James. But at the same time, Pitts doesn't always line up as a tight end is the thing, right? So I'm curious to see how they will in the end cover Kyle Pitts because usually I would just think that, oh, okay, it's Derwin James's role to cover the tight end and that's basically it. But I'm not sure that'll be the case today. Well, they're going to have to move Kyle Pitts around, right? They, they got to get him open. That's where the creativity has to come in with Arthur Smith in this offense. I do love me some Derwin James. Like you said, he's <laughs> when he's healthy, he is, he is one of the elite players because he plays all over the defensive backfield. But yeah, I, it's just a situation where, I mean, not only are you in bi-week hell, but Kyle Pitts is still... He catches touchdowns when you're when you don't think he's going to, and I have a feeling that's what we're going to see today from him. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably right. It could have, in theory, been three straight weeks with Kyle Pitts scoring a touchdown, and instead just a touchdown in two of three weeks. But still, like, a lot better for Kyle Pitts as of late. So, yeah, you're right. With especially with so many guys on by, you're probably starting Kyle Pitts regardless. But he's still not a, not a bad play today. Uh, let's continue with the start sits. Dolphins at Bears, and let's start with the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins actually relatively active at the trade deadline. Uh, dealing away Chase Edmonds, getting uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. to be Raheem Mostert's backup. So kind of a, a slight recreation of what we had seen in San Francisco these past couple of years with, of course, Mike McDaniel and so on and Kyle Shanahan's offense there. But uh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins basically turned. Remember how like a couple of years ago when they when the, the, the 49ers traded with the Dolphins again and they had the whole Trey Lance deal and the Dolphins were armed with a bevy of draft picks. And one of the things people said was, okay, well, if Tua, if he stinks or if he's not so great, at the very least, you have a talented core on defense and a decent grouping of players on offense, and you can just go out and get your quarterback of the future if you feel Tua is not that guy. It feels like Tua maybe might might be that guy at this point, but it's interesting to think that the Dolphins essentially, they must agree because they cashed in the trade, some of those trade chips, and certainly over the past two drafts, they have essentially now turned the Trey Lance draft picks into Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill this past offseason, who's been great, and now Bradley Chubb. And the Bears, they traded away Roquan Smith. They traded away other guys as well. They acquired Chase Claypool. So the trade deadline was pretty active for these two teams. And the Dolphins, I mean, the Bradley Chubb acquisition is not going to make a huge difference fantasy-wise, but it's kind of fun to see the Dolphins go out there and be active in what is a pretty, a pretty startlingly competitive AFC East. Well, it's fun for you. I mean, because your Patriots are, are not sniffing the playoffs. When, when, it, when will it be the Patriots' turn, Matt? When will it be yeah. our turn to win a championship? When? when? Yeah, I know, right? Um, when <laughs> when the G, when the GM relinquishes his duties, um, but they they like if you had said that that's what the return was going to be. Like, think about that. If you trade 
Trey Lance for Jalen Waddle. And even if it's Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, I'm pretty sure you do that deal every single day of the week, don't you? Oh, like yeah. not not even yeah. you didn't even think about don't it. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they've done a really good job with this roster. And I mean, the 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 funniest part is the guy that we were expecting problem. I don't I wouldn't want to say the least from because I didn't have high expectations for Tua, but I did not think that Raheem Mostert would become Raheem Mustart with the Miami Dolphins. Because that's what he is right now. Boo. That's what he is. I know it was a bad joke. But he is. He Change is, his Raheem, own. <laughs> Raheem Mostert is absolutely a must start. And the Bears defense, shockingly, has given up the fo- fourth most points per game to opposing running backs. Like you mentioned, no Roquan Smith. I think that's going to be a lot worse for the Bears on the ground. Mostert has looked good. He's looked so good, in fact, that they went, Okay, Chase Edmonds, you can you can take a walk. We're going to send you to that hellhole that is Denver right now um, with Russell Wilson. Have fun with that guy as your quarterback. Um, but it, it's it looks like a, a good spot, and this is going to be a high-scoring game, much like last week was between the, the Cowboys and the Bears. I think this one's going to be high-scoring as well. Tua, you're going to ha- you you start him every single week. You start Hill every single week. We know Waddle the same, and Raheem Mostert is in RB one territory for me. I honestly am really curious to see what the split between Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. ends up being because towards the end of 2020, I'd seen this on social media the other day after the trade deadline, towards the end of 2020 when Mike McDaniel was the the coordinator of the running game in San Francisco and Mostert and Wilson were both healthy at the same time, which admittedly hasn't happened a whole ton in the last couple of years, but when they were healthy at the same time, they actually split the work Almost evenly. It was like a 55-45% split. It did favor Mostert, but Jeff Wilson Jr. did have a couple of uh, plunges at the goal line. So I, I'm hoping it doesn't turn into a committee. I'm hoping it, that's not what this is. It's just it is Mostert's backfield, and Jeff Wilson Jr. is, in, it, in effect, his handcuff. But I am I am a little wary because we know Mike McDaniel comes from the Kyle Shanahan school, and they don't all— like. Injuries have have kind of played a factor in this, but they don't always feature their running backs there, right? So I am very curious to see how the split ends up. But I do agree. I think this week, at least specifically, until we see differently, Raheem Mostert probably is a pretty good start. Obviously, you're starting Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. On the Bears side of things, uh, Justin Fields, uh, they... I feel like to, to, to determine how Justin Fields might do this week, I think you have to go back and look at how the Dolphins' defense has done against rushing quarterback. And they basically yielded six yards per carry to Josh Allen and 13 yards per carry to Lamar Jackson in a game that the the Dolphins actually did eventually win, which was one of the most exciting games of the season early on. Obviously, Justin Fields and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are all a little bit different, but Justin Fields is still capable of getting out there and scampering around. So I think he's probably like a high-end QB2 to me this week. And uh, you kind of hope for a little bit more. Uh, Same goes for David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. They're probably both in mid-tier RB2 territory, but they're both definitely startable. The player I'm curious to see where you fall on, Matt, is Darnell Mooney, because Darnell Mooney is going up against a Miami secondary that's probably still pretty banged up. They've been banged up all season, but still, things have not gotten a lot better here in Week 9. So 59 completions have been allowed in the last two games. So I've got to think that they're going to allow Justin Fields, I mean, you would hope, to throw the ball just a teensy bit more. 
Yeah, I think Darnell Mooney's a good start this week. I like him. And and the addition of Chase Claypool, I think, helps Darnell Mooney. And they're saying Claypool, this was amazing. I think it was Matt Eberflus, and he said he Chase Claypool uh, will play between 15 and, like, 35 snaps. Oh. Those are two entirely different numbers, <laughs> Matt Eberflus. Like, we, so I, I proceed with caution with Chase Claypool this week as he gets kind of acclimated to the to the playbook. But I, I will start Darnell Mooney in this spot. He's been a lot better of late. And and that we're starting to see a little bit more of the Darnell Mooney that we saw at the end of last season. But show I do want to wax poetic on w- what I feel like is my son in Justin Fields, even though he can't be. But I feel like a proud papa when and I hope and my daughter's not listening, so we're good. And she's too young to understand, so we're okay. But Justin Fields is QB eleven on the year. After a, a, an absolutely horrid start, he's QB six in points per game the last four weeks. Justin Fields has finally been given the reins to this offense. They finally tailored a playbook that Justin Fields can work with. And he's showing that he is the quarterback of the future in Chicago. Justin Fields is a really good quarterback. Justin Fields is must start every week. And I think, and this may be a bold prediction, it may not be, Mm -hmm. Justin Fields finishes this week as a top three quarterback. Wow. That's a, that is danger zone. I like that one. Okay. Well, here, here's another thing that maybe backs up your assertion there. The Dolphins give up the third highest yards per play. And then again, with the facing the running quarterback thing, they give up a lot of yards per carry. So, hey, I think it's it's definitely going to happen. I think what any value derived from Justin Fields at least starts with the with his feet and not his his arms so far. But then again, he has also thrown at least one touchdown pass in each of the last four games, and he has rushed for a touchdown in each of the last two games. So Justin Fields has definitely come on, come on fire, come alive as far as fantasy points go. And yeah, the, starting the Miami Dolphins, I think is a pretty good way for that to continue. I'm not sure that the Bradley Chubb acquisition is something that's going to matter too much this week. I'm sure in the weeks going forward, it will help the Dolphins defense. Generally speaking, he has five and a half sacks and two forced fumbles, but I'm just, I'm not sure that that makes too much of a difference when you switch teams essentially midweek. Right. So I'm not, you know, maybe going forward, we might have the, uh, how much is Bradley Chubb going to terrorize these quarterbacks conversation, but probably not this week. Um, let's continue with the start sits Panthers at Bengals, PJ Walker and the Panthers, a wild, wild game against the Falcons last weekend. I still think that throw Walker on court with like what? 10 seconds to go. And that just landed like drifting to his left, basically just hurls the ball down the field with, Pinpoint accuracy lands right in the breadbasket of DJ Moore, who catches it for a game-tying touchdown. Games to o- goes to OT. They do eventually lose an OT to the Falcons, but still, that was one. I honestly, Matt, that might be one of the most impressive passes I have ever seen on the run. That's one of the craziest things I've seen. Well, even Patrick Mahomes tweeted that that was one of the best passes I see. He said probably the best pass of the year. Now, I know some people want to say, "Well, it was in a dome," and to to which I say. You try and throw the ball that far in a dome, (laughs) jackass. So I'm just, I'm just of the opinion that PJ Walker is, he's starting, he's starting to come into his own a little bit here. I'm not saying that PJ Walker is the future, but PJ Walker is better at this point than Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, which is, which is something to say, considering the draft capital that they gave up to acquire both of those guys. And they looked in the mirror and it was PJ Walker the whole time. What a disaster of an organization. But what's happened is he's made DJ Moore at least relevant. 
And um, the Bengals just put Chedu Awuzie on the IR. I think he's done for the year. And that'll help a little bit. Look, when you look at this on paper, you go, ah, DJ Moore's got kind of a tough matchup. But Amari Cooper just burned the Bengals for 7-131 and a touchdown. So let's start him. The other guy is Terrace Marshall Jr. Sneaky interesting if you're on in bye week hell. He played a lot of snaps. He came, he's coming off a nine-target game, which he turned into four catches for 87 yards. And the guy who I'm sure everybody had as a league winner when the season started, Deonta Foreman is in must-start territory once again for this Carolina offense, which to my dismay, I cannot figure out how the hell these guys are putting up numbers. And I think it was Chuba Hubbard already ruled out. I know he was questionable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He was ruled out uh, Friday. I believe he was right. ruled out. So there you go. So with no Hubbard, again, I'm not sure you can necessarily expect uh, 118 yards, three touchdowns and a two point conversion all from Foreman again for a second straight week. But still with no Hubbard, it certainly feels like he's going to get the entire carry all you know, the lion's share of the carries himself. So that's always uh, great news because we do not like committees. We want to see bell cows. And even though the, the day of the bell cow is probably over, but uh, Foreman has been absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, I'm he is. Yeah, I would say like a low end RB one, high end RB two, um, but with, certainly with a lot of upside depending on how things go. And the Bengals defense has not been great, right? We just saw the Bengals defense get gashed by Nick Chubb on Monday Night Football last week. So I think you can feel pretty good about Foreman this weekend. Um, on the Bengals side of things, you don't need us to tell you to start Burrow, Mixon, and T. Higgins. It, it, I will say it was interesting watching the Bengals passing offense without Jamar Chase life after Jamar Chase. Cause he is injured. He is out for at least the next couple of weeks. They haven't put him on IR, but the torn labrum, the injured hip as well. So um, I mean, it sounds pretty serious. So they are saying he'll only miss like four weeks. Uh, so I guess three weeks now, but we'll see if that remains to be the case, but cer- certainly without chase, on Halloween, the uh, ooh spooky stuff from the Bengals offense, and not in a good way. T. Higgins did catch a touchdown, but it did look like the kind of the corner fell down, and then T. Higgins kind of just turned around and ran into the end zone. The Tyler Boyd touchdown was a deflected pass into his hands, although the ball was still going to his way. It just he had to make a bit of a jump to uh, grab that grab that ball. So without Jamar Chase, I still think T. Higgins is a WR one, and Tyler Boyd probably a low end WR two, maybe even a WR three, depending on what kind of your, your league settings are, but they obviously get a bit of a boost, Matt, but I'm just, I'm curious where you fall on someone like Tyler Boyd with no Jamar chase in the lineup for the Bengals. Well, he just, he seems to, I know. And I know, like you mentioned, the the touchdown was a little bit fortunate. I feel like everything that offense did on the Monday night or was fortunate. It was just a weird kind of, I don't even know how to describe it was it was gross. That's how I would describe it. It was absolutely gross in the first half for sure. But in this game, like the Panthers just they give up a ton of points. They're not a very good defense. Burrow Burrow needs the bounce back. And I think that T Higgins and and Tyler Boyd are both the uh, the recipients of of really good fantasy days. What was kind of and I'm going to use a word that is going to feel like a pun, but I can't think of anything else to describe it. The usage of T Higgins and Tyler Boyd in that game when they were down by literally a billion points was frightening. Like T Higgins finished with six targets, Tyler Boyd finished with five, and they were down 21 points at one point, I think, or 24 points. Yeah, they're down a lot. So it, it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense to me, and I'm I'm hoping that this week makes a little bit more sense, but you're right. It's... The Jamar Chase injury and and not having him in the lineup. I mean, how many teams? If there if there was a team that could that could kind of 
you know, tread water until he comes back. It's the Bengals because of the depth they have at the position. But my only thing is, is, and we don't talk about this a lot, is what certain wide receivers mean for other wide receivers. And when you have Jamar Chase taking maybe double covers or he's taking the other team's top corner, it opens up, it opens up other players like T Higgins, like Tyler Boyd, like a Hayden Hurst. And, and I think that's the important thing here. Did I think the Browns defense was very good? They're okay. They've given up a lot of points this year, but the Panthers defense is just so much worse. I think that this, there's a nice little bounce back here for this offense. And I think that the Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins are, are going, they're locked in starters this week. Yeah, I think a lot of the trouble last weekend, or I guess last Monday, came for the for the Bengals at the hands of the the Browns' defensive line. Like they were just re- wreaking havoc on Burrow and Mixon basically all night long. And I mean, certainly the Panthers have some good players on the defensive line as well, but probably not to the same degree as like a Miles Garrett, for example, right? So I think that'll it'll probably be a better outcome for the Bengals. Well, I I actually think this might be a higher scoring game than than we expect all things considered because neither of these defenses are super awe inspiring. Um, let's continue our start sets Packers at lions. I, I can't tell whether or not this is going to be a get right game for of all people, Aaron Rodgers. Like he has been absolutely terrible from a fantasy perspective this year. It has not looked great. Romeo dubs did finally catch a touchdown last week, but still it's just, I, I'm not sure Honestly, outside of Aaron Jones, if you can really rely on any one player from this entire Packers offense, and again, playing the the abysmal Detroit Lions defense is probably a good thing, but at the same time, I just I'm not sure you can really rely on any guy right now, Matt. No, it's really hard. I think in this game, I think you can I think you can comfortably start AJ Dillon though. And and that's just because the Lions run defense is just horrible it's, it's just horrible yeah. horrible and aaron jones is the answer to all problems because he's a great runner out of the backfield he catches passes he literally does everything for this offense he is the playmaker to have i th- i kind of like alan lazard if he plays and it does look like he's going to play through shoulder pain just because the detroit lions seem to give up a, a, a wr1 week every week i mean jacoby myers had a monster game against them and that was with you know bailey zappy throwing him the ball and we know how that turned out later on so i i, I like lazard um i i don't hate romeo dubs in this game jones and dylan are good starts i feel like just because of the week that you can start lazard you could start dubs you could probably start tunyon and the two running backs this game is going to be i think high scoring i mean i think the Packers defense is better than we give them credit for, but this you're right. Overall, as we look at the, the big picture here, this has to be the breakout game for Aaron Rodgers. Like it has to be, because if it's not this week show, I really don't know when it's going to happen because he has been, he's not been good, but I don't think, and, and you'll, I think you'll agree with this. This isn't all on Aaron Rodgers either. The offensive line has been banged up. They've shuffled guys around. And I know I sound like I'm making excuses, but they haven't really gotten going on offense. His The best playmaker is his running back that he gets to throw the ball to. And when we look at Aaron Rodgers' career in 24 games against the Detroit Lions, that's a lot of games. That's a big sample size. He averages 252 yards, 2.2 touchdowns, and 0.3 interceptions. If there was ever a breakout game for Aaron Rodgers, if it's not today, it ain't happening this year. 
Who would have ever thought that in week nine, the, the Packers-Lions matchup would be a battle of a, the three and five Green Bay Packers and the one and six Detroit Lions? Like maybe that sounds right for the Detroit Lions, but three and five after eight weeks for, for the Green Bay Packers does not sound right. But yeah, I certainly hope uh, that this is a get-right game for Aaron Rodgers. And, and like, like you said, Aaron Jones is the guy you're starting every single week. You don't need us to tell you that. But I, I don't mind the A.J. Dillon play, even though he his snap share has decreased in each of the last couple of weeks. But still, heavy bye weeks means you probably have to start one of these guys. And A.J. Dillon is not a bad option against in, a good, in what is a decent matchup against the Detroit Lions defense. Uh, on those Detroit Lions, again, Jared Goff, probably a QB2. He's came off the, heart, the really hot start to start the season. But still, QB2 for me. For, uh, for Jared Goff going into week nine here. Uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, that's always the question. I, it just feels as though DeAndre Swift, as talented as he is this entire season, and I think he said it to the media. There was someone, I think one of the Lions beat writers that tweeted it out, that simply there's a chance he may not be 100% healthy this entire season, which is a bummer, right? Because he is so, so, so talented. But, I mean, if he can't stay on the field, that doesn't really, you know, doesn't really, doesn't really matter all that much. Well, the the health is a concern, and clearly the 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 Lions believe the same because he's going to be on a limited snap share like he was last week, and he still scored a touchdown last week. You have to start DeAndre Swift because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would I would I would gather that he is like top five in fantasy points per touch this year because he hasn't had a lot of touches, but he produces on seemingly every single one. They're going to use him in the passing game. The Packers are not very good against the run. They're they're very good against the pass, but they're not very good against the run. And I expect Swift to pick up some of the slack that was left behind with the loss of TJ Hawkinson when they traded him to the Minnesota Vikings. I, I think that DeAndre Swift ends up with probably 10 to 15 touches this week, and he'll make the most of those. And Jamal Williams in the quote-unquote revenge game is also in for a a nice day because I think the Lions are going to have to run the ball pretty well to have a chance in this game. They want to control the clock. They want to be able to get both running backs involved at least a little bit. And without TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, he's going to get a ton of targets. The guy I like as a a pickup for this week because of the loss of – of TJ Hawkinson. And I don't know, is Josh Reynolds playing today? I don't believe that he is. I don't believe he is either. I like Khalif Raymond this week. Khalif Raymond was, was good last week. There's, there's no DJ chart Hawkinson traded. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get, I would, I would assume he's going to see a bit of Jair Alexander, but if they play him out of the slot, he, he, he won't. But Khalif Raymond is one of those speed demon guys, and I think he's going to make the most of his opportunities. I like Khalif Raymond in bye week hell. Yeah, I like the Khalif Raymond play. I, ba, 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 you know, based on injuries or bye weeks, I think that's definitely not a bad play. Fle- probably a flex play still, but if you're if you have to start like three wide receivers, for example, and and two of them are on bye, and you're really struggling to fill a third spot, like we were talking about Demir Bird earlier, I I think Khalif Raymond is in the same kind of conversation for for an offense that will probably have to pass the ball a lot if they want to keep up in most games, not just today against the Green Bay Packers. Okay, let's take a very quick break here, Matt. When we come back, we will get to the people's text line. Again, 590-590, name and location. We will answer a whole bunch of your text line questions at 590-590, name and location coming up straight ahead. The people's text line next on the Fantasy Show. Show and Matt on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
This is the Fantasy Show with Show Ali and Matt Marchese on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you for one more hour as we get set for week nine across the NFL. Injury news and notes, start sits for every single game. And of course, the people's text line at 590-590, name and location. Matt, you ready to do some text this morning? Of course, let's do it. Let's do it. And now, your fantasy questions on the people's text line. All right, you guys know the drill. As usual, you can text us at 590-590, name and location. We will do our best to answer as many questions as possible right now. But if we don't get to your question on the air, we will answer all of your questions off the air via the text line again, 590-590. And please leave your name and location if you do text us. Okay, let's get started. Juan from Richmond Hill. Appreciate hearing from you this morning. Juan, half-point PPR league. You need a WR and a flex out of Kirk, Boyd, Mostert, and Lazard. Love the show. Thanks in advance. That's from Juan in Richmond Hill. Thanks for texting in, man. So half-point PPR, a wide receiver, and a flex play. Kirk, Boyd, Mostert, Lazard. What do you think? I think it's Mostert. I just, yeah, it's got to be Mostert. I think he's going to end up having a big day. Let's let's go Raheem Mostert. Well, so yeah, so he, so he, I guess we'll, we'll make Mostert the flex, but he also needs a wide receiver, right? Oh, so, right. And, then I would go Tyler Boyd. Boyd, okay. Yeah. So we go Boyd and Mostert. Okay, let's go to uh, Eddie from Angus. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Eddie. Uh, half point PPR flex, Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon? Thanks. Have a good day, boys. So, again, half point PPR flex, Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon? I, th- I feel like I lead Jamal Williams just because I don't I don't know how much DeAndre Swift's going to play, and he seems to score a touchdown every week anyway. Uh, Dillon's in a good spot, though. I'll go with Jamal Williams because I think he gets more touches. More touches. Okay, yeah. I think, you know what? I I, I do like A.J. Dillon, certainly, but he has been so, uh, even in good matchups, he's been so pedestrian that if you do have a, again, you might be forced to play A.J. Dillon, but again, if you are, if you have the choice and Jamal Williams is available, yeah, Jamal Williams has been absolutely phenomenal in basically in the absence of, of uh, DeAndre Swift. I think it was something like he has of rushing touchdown wise. I think the only person who has more rushing touchdowns than him is Nick Chubb, which is crazy. And, and I think he's played one less game because he's been on bye, right? So that's it's very impressive, actually. So Jamal Williams uh, will go him over AJ Dillon for Eddie. Uh, Tony from Hamilton, half PPR. Who should I start? Jacoby Myers or Curtis Samuel? He actually has two questions, but we'll do, uh, we'll do this one first. So half point PPR, Jacoby Myers or Curtis Samuel? Myers has just been so good. Samuel's been okay. Like, I think he has over 70 yards total his last two weeks. But Jacoby Myers is catching touchdowns now, which is so strange. Um, Never thought we would see the day. Uh, The Colts defense has been good, but Jacoby Myers is the clear number one target there. So I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers. Okay, well, lean Jacoby Myers for the first one and a half point PPR. And then Tony says... Uh, asks his second question, who should I start in my flex? Deion Jackson, Cordero Patterson, or Dante Deontay Foreman? So Foreman, Patterson, or Deion Jackson in place of the injured Jonathan Taylor, who is not starting this week. I think they already ruled him out like yesterday or the day before. So De- Deion, Deion Jackson, Patterson, Foreman. I think you I think you have no choice but to roll Deontay Foreman here. He's just been so incredible in the two weeks that he's played. And I think that it's a good matchup again this week. 
against the Bengals, and they use Deonta Foreman a lot. They're running him a lot. He's scoring touchdowns. Let's roll Deonta Foreman. I, I can't tell how I feel about Deion Jackson because I think it's a great opportunity when a guy can just get more touches because someone else is injured or, you know, for whatever reason. I think it's a great, it's a great, for sure you want to start that person. At the same time, I am a little bit worried that because Sam Erlinger is going up against the Patriots defense that it, it might, and Bill Belichick, it just might not be a very high scoring game, period. So, you know, a lot, a lot, not a lot of drives for the Indianapolis offense. We'll see. Like, I think, obviously, if you have Deion Jackson, you probably should start him if you're, especially in bye week hell. But still, I think, generally speaking, it's some, I just was thinking about that this week. But we can get to that when we get to Colts Patriots in a couple of minutes. Um, Connor from Calgary texts in. Again, 590, 590. Appreciate you getting up early with us, Connor. Four and four he in standard scoring, so he needs a win this week. He has a flex spot open, but for, uh, let's see, James Conner, Cordero Patterson, or Kadarius Tony, I really need this win. I also have Kittle on by, so I grabbed Tunyon and Likely. So let's go with the, the flex spots, guys, Matt. So James Conner, Cordero Patterson, or Tony in a standard league. Uh, I I don't think we can start Kadarius Tony just yet. Um I feel like, and James Conner's coming off an injury. Let's, and so is Cordero so Patterson. Is Madison, yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I want to roll. Oh, man. They're giving us the tough ones this morning. Like, this is a tough week. You know what? Let's go Cordero Patterson. Let's go see Pat. And I, was he asking about if he should play Tunyon or Likely? I think I'm so. Guessing. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's likely that you should play Isaiah. Uh, uh, I just I, I, <laughs> the jokes are so bad. There's not a good one that you can make. Oh, good. I'm actually starting. I'm starting Isaiah Likely this week as well in a couple of my leagues. So I'm I'm in the same boat, Connor. I'm in the same boat. I think actually in one of those leagues I have Kittle on by as well. So I, I'm certainly hoping for a good game from Isaiah Likely again. Mark Andrews is listed as doubtful alongside Gus Edwards. Uh, let's continue with this the uh, the text line questions. Let's see, Al from Uxbridge. Uh, never miss the show. Stream it while I golf Sunday morning. So I hope the golfing is going well. I like it. Yeah. Hit him straight, Al. <laughs> he uh, needs a flex and a WR2. Options are Alan Lazard, Chase Claypool, Isaiah Pacheco, Jeff Wilson, Paris Campbell. Okay, so I think you can probably already rule out Chase Claypool because of the new addition to a new team. And I would say you can also rule out Jeff Wilson because he is, at least for now, he is the backup. He is the handcuff to uh, Tareem Mostert. So... If we're if you're on board with that, Matt, that would leave us Alan Lazard, Isaiah Pacheco, and Paris Campbell for a flex in WR two. Yeah, I think it's Lazard. I don't want to say going away, but it does feel like it's Lazard kind of going away. Um, I think I go with Pacheco. I say that so because I'm not the the Chase Claypool thing. Like if you're if you're in a good spot and you think you have roster like roster stability everywhere else and you think that Chase Claypool will make catch a touchdown or something, then you play him. But if you want like a little bit of a higher floor, it's probably Isaiah Pacheco. So so go about it that way, Al. If you think you have roster stability everywhere else and you can take a chance with Chase Claypool, then play him and Lazard. If not, um, then I would go with Pacheco. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's see. Let's continue with the text line here. Uh, ben from Thornhill. Two quick questions for you guys. Full PPR. One, this feels crazy typing it out, but that's the NFL this year. Geno Smith or Aaron Rodgers? That is a is a crazy question in most years, but 
It's not a crazy thing to say that Geno Smith has been much better fantasy-wise than than Aaron Rodgers in the year 2022. Yeah, I know. It's Again, what a world that we live in. But I still think that in this start, like, the Cardinals' defense has been not very good, but the Lions' defense has been horrible. And Aaron Rodgers has really good numbers against those Detroit Lions. I'm going to roll with Aaron Rodgers. He also wants to know uh, Gerald Everett or Miko Hardman in the flex. He's already starting Zach Ertz in the tight end slot. So I, Miko Hardman has been has been not bad so far this season. I know he had that one game. I don't know if it was last, last week, week three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So he had a, he had a great. Oh yeah. no, not last week. The week before. Week before. The week before. Yeah, they didn't yeah. Play last week. Yeah, yeah. They had uh, they had the he had the fantastic outing, and then he went on his bye week. So I like uh, I I I can see the potential for why you'd want to start. Minko Hardman, it's just I just feel like it's so hard to you're essentially guessing like as to who will be the main target for Patrick Mahomes on a week to week basis outside of Travis Kelsey, which is why I'm like a little hesitant to say, oh, yeah, start Hardman over, let's say, for example, Gerald Everett. Yeah, again, it's uh, it's going to be one of those those questions of do you have roster stability everywhere else and you can take a chance on a guy like Nicole Hardman, or do you roll with Jared, uh, Gerald Everett because you, because the the floor is going to be higher for Gerald Everett, but the ceiling is higher for Nicole Hardman. So that's how I would approach it. But I, I would probably lean Gerald Everett. I think I, you know what I think. I was just thinking about it while you were talking. I think I will also lean Gerald Everett. I don't, I'm not generally speaking. I do not advocate for starting two tight ends. <laughs> In a single week, like on, but it's by week hell. But yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, on, like literally, on, I would probably never do it unless you have Travis Kelsey and then another really good tight end. But again, like, you're pro- you probably don't. Is the is the reality of the situation? So yeah, I think by week hell being what it is, you again, some people might not have any choice. Um, this is an easy one, or not easy one, but it's a, it's a quick one from Jason in Acton. Is there any scenario where you where you would start Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson this week? Cheers. You know, it's funny, uh, Jason. In this, if for you, uh, in in our work league, Matt, I actually have both Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, and I, I get we're we're a one QB league, and I just picked up Justin Fields because I just again I had a bunch of guys injured, so I just was filling roster spots, so I picked up Justin Fields. And I'm like hesitant to drop him be out of like spite. I don't want anyone else to start him. Like, no, you can drop him. I just don't drop want, him. Drop I'm, him. Not, I'm, him. Gonna, I'm just gonna trade him to like to Goldberg or something. I'll trade. I'll trade him to someone just so you don't get to <laughs> you don't get to start him. But See, what do you what do you think? Justin Fields over Lamar this week. Lamar does play on Monday night and has less weapons. It would seem available with both Mark Andrews and Gus Edwards doubtful, and I think Demarcus Robinson as well uh, questionable for uh, for Week Nine here on Monday night. I know. I, I actually, I think that if there was a week to start Justin Fields over Lamar Jackson, it's probably this week. So I don't think it's a crazy question. And Lamar has struggled without Rashad Bateman in the lineup, especially against the Blitz. And the, the offense looks totally different. Mark Andrews being out is is not a good thing as well. I know Isaiah likely looked really good, but no Bateman, no Andrews. It looks like no Demarcus Robinson. J.K. Dobbins is on the shelf. No Gus Edwards. This is not a good situation for Lamar. I would roll with Justin Fields. I think, oh, man, I think I might as well. And the matchup is just also better, right? Like the Saints defense is not is not terrible by any means, but they're, you know, they're kind of middling, it kind of feels like, whereas the Miami Dolphins defense is also kind of a middling defense. But again, like we talked about when we did Dolphins-Bears, it's just a, it's not... 
you know, they they get they can be had by rushing QBs. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to start Fields as well. Um, just replying to that one to Jason. Okay, let's go to this one. Mark in Toronto, half point PPR. I need a wide receiver two and a flex. So one uh, wide receiver is Olave or Godwin, and then his flex plays. Mostert, Connor, Deion Jackson. So let's go with the, the wide receiver first, and then we'll go to the flex. So Chris Olave or uh, Chris Godwin? That's a really tough one, but Olave's been so good, and Godwin has, he's been just okay. I think I lean Chris Olave, and then for the flex, I'm rolling with Raheem Mostert. Mostert has just been so good. It's just, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's hard not to start yeah, right now. Yeah, it's really, it really is. Okay, let's do one more on the air. And then we will answer the rest of these questions off the air. Actually, these are these are this kind of like a combo question here from Nick in Toronto. Uh, hi, Madden Show. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Nick. I need two wide receivers out of Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Godwin, Gabe Davis, and Tyler Lockett in a half-point PPR. So again, Amon Ross St. Brown, Godwin, Davis, and Lockett. You're picking two of those guys. I feel. I mean, look. I feel like you have to start Amon Ross St. Brown. I feel like that's a lock. So if, if that yeah, basically means funneled targets. Yeah, exactly. So that means you're basically picking for your second wide receiver, one of Godwin, Gabe Davis, Tyler Lockett. A bad choice to have. Tyler Lockett's just, and this is me as a Bills fan. Like I think you sit Gabe Davis. I think you sit Chris Godwin. I think you lock in the. Lo- I think you lock in Tyler Lockett. Lock and I wasn't Lockett. even trying to. Yeah, I was. I didn't even want to get a pun in there, but it ended up happening. Lockett's been excellent this year, and he's scoring touchdowns, and he's he's caught the eye of Geno Smith, and he's not on the he's not on the injury report, and he had the greatest comment ever, basically throwing shade at Russell Wilson last week, saying it's great what you can accomplish when not one person wants all the credit. Um, wow, thank you, Tyler Lockett, and start him this week. Yeah, I think I think you should. I think ultimately speaking, you should. I know he was banged up, but still, I I probably you know the inconsistencies of the Buccaneers' offense and you know targets seem to get funneled mostly to Stephon Diggs in that in that Bills offense. So you probably want to go uh, St. Brown and Tyler Lockett. And the Knicks' other half of his question, I think this is a pretty easy one: uh, Is Mark Andrews too risky for Monday night? Should I go with Gerald Everett instead? Yeah, look, er- Everett already has a pretty good matchup, like we were talking about, but Mark Andrews is doubtful for Monday night. Yeah, you're gonna you can't you can't think about playing Mark Andrews at this point. I already have him out of lineups. Like you just roll with roll with someone else. Yeah, it's it's probably just the best case scenario for you because you know I, I suppose there's a chance that Mark Andrews plays, but if anyone so anytime, you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. Anytime there is that that D next to someone's name, it's I, I I would be shocked if they actually played. Right, and I mean, Mark Andrews hasn't practiced literally all week, going up up to yesterday. So, yeah, that does it for the the, the start sit questions, the uh, the text line questions on the people's text line. But you want to shoot us some more text at five ninety five ninety name and location. If we have some time at the end of the show, we'll get to a couple, but we will answer the rest of these questions before the one p.m. kickoffs go in. Yeah, in about four hours, three and a half hours, four hours. So, still is a lot of time to shoot us questions again. Five ninety five ninety. Okay, let's get back to the start sits. Uh, Matt, and let's let's see. The next one is, oh, yes, here we go. Raiders at Jaguars. And, uh, yeah, look, Derek Carr wants to probably just throw away, I think, the tape of week eight. That was, whew, he was he was awful, Horrible. awful, awful, awful. One, 101 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception for Derek Carr. I started him last week, and I somehow still won in a two-QB league. I can't believe I actually won um, after he got licked. I think he got, like, less than two points, which is absolutely absurd. But, 
Um, you're hoping he does better bounce back here because they are playing the Jaguars. Jaguars defense, not so great. Uh, it does mean uh, if you have better options, you still want to probably sit Derek Carr. But again, bye week being what it is, you, you might not have a choice, especially in two QB leagues. So Derek Carr, for some, are probably still getting into the starting lineup. Josh Jacobs also had the worst game of his season last week. Probably, I think, based on his body of work in 2022, I think I, I feel confident in saying you still want to start him on a, on a weekly basis. And same goes for Devontae Adams. I don't believe Darren Waller is trending towards playing, though. He's a game-time decision, okay. and it and it's the hamstring. You know, show it's what we talked about with Darren Waller in our preseason podcast. You just can't trust him health-wise, and that's continuing to be a trend here. And you wonder if Darren Waller was healthy, how, how much of – him being out of the lineup has impacted how awful this Raiders offense has been. Has there been a more disappointing fantasy tandem than Devontae Adams and Derek Carr? Oh, yeah. Brutal. And Devontae Adams is, I mean, he's he's certainly, and we knew there was going to be regression, or at least we should have known that there was going to be regression because he's not getting the ball from Aaron Rodgers. And we're seeing that right now. He's currently wide receiver nine, which is still really good, but it's not good for Devonte Adams. And I, and he's had some really, really big dud weeks, which has been very disappointing, but he's had blow up weeks too. I, I think he's closer to a blow up week this week than he is a dud week based on their, their competition. Yeah, I think you're probably right, but still one reception for five, five, tar- one reception on five targets, it three yards so in a full PPR league. That's 1.2 points, which is uh, not great. Not, not good. Not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> uh, on the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars side of things, again, Trevor Lawrence, I don't know what's going on with Trevor Lawrence because he started off on Fuego and then has largely fallen off. Again, you're hoping that in the end, you don't see more costly interceptions like we saw in, in London, England last weekend. But uh, in, in you know as he figures it out, it certainly looks like they're going to try and give the ball as much as humanly possible to Travis Etienne. He looked so electric. Like, I'm not just saying this as someone who has shares of Travis Etienne, but I just, I got to say, he has been so, so good. I'm looking forward to seeing how much more they hand him the football. So obviously you're starting Etienne. Christian Kirk is probably a WR3 to me at this point, only because of the struggles of, Trevor Lawrence, same kind of goes for Evan Engram, like in the sense that all pass catchers are slightly affected by the quarterback struggling, like in any case, in any way, shape or form. But Evan Engram, uh, he did catch a touchdown last week while we were on the air. So uh, I guess if you're a bye week hell and you need some tight ends, uh, I can't believe I'm saying that you might actually want to start Evan Engram over some other options there. Like if you're if your options in the waiver wire are like Tyler Conklin or let's say Engram, you're probably better served going with Engram at this point. Oh yeah. He's been, he's been really good. And I know you, I know you hate Evan Ingram and and that's fine. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to be part of the fan club. I get it, but he is tight end 10 and I know it's not saying much, but he's still, you know, he's doing all of this as tight end 10 and he only has one touchdown this season. So, and it was last week in, in London, the offense, this should be a bounce back for the Jags. I mean, outside of Travis Etienne, because he's been a monster, like 24 carries for 156 and a touchdown. And he added three catches. Granted, they were only for six yards. But Christian Kirk has a better matchup. Like, that Broncos defense is really good. The Raiders defense, ah, not so much. They they kind of suck, actually. Um, so I, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be comfortable with Evan Ingram. I'd be comfortable with Christian Kirk. Comfortable, of course, with Travis Etienne. And, and with the quarterback situation the way it is, 
Um, even Trevor Lawrence is in a much better spot than he was last week. Yeah, the Raiders, when it comes to Ingram as well, real quick, uh, the Raiders' defense allows the third most fantasy points to tight ends in 2022. So not a bad matchup, but again, like you said, the Raiders' defense just from top to bottom has not been very good, period. I mean, the whole team has not been very good, generally speaking, but uh, I think it's a it's not a bad time to roll out some of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Colts, Patriots, our next start set. I, okay, look, I think beyond Deion Jackson, who I think you can flex, and certainly in bye week hell, you can certainly slot in as an RB2, probably, like just in terms of how you, how you manage your roster management, how you manage your lineup there, but beyond... Deion Jackson, who probably is the, the biggest start, because again, John Jonathan Taylor is not playing. Michael Pittman, like, the thing I'm afraid about with Michael Pittman, because we know Belichick likes to take away the best option on the offense every week. I, I could really honestly see them just doubling Michael Pittman with Jonathan Jones and maybe a safety, or maybe they just give Jonathan Jones the Michael Pittman assignment all on his own. Either way, I just, I, I know... Pittman this year, more because of quarterback play, has become a volume-based WR2. With that being the case, I just, I'm not super confident in any passing, pass-catching option for the Indianapolis Colts, as long as Ellinger is back there, and then doubly so against a pretty stingy New England Patriots pass defense. Yeah, and and what what Bill Belichick is going to do is he's going to take away your best weapon, and that's going to be Michael Pittman Jr. He, he had nine targets last week in a game that was obviously not very good for the Colts, but he's kind of like that wide receiver three with upside, which, which sucks because we are expecting a massive season. Oh, yeah. Both of us were from Michael Pittman jr. So you can start him, but it's going to be, it's going to be a, a tough day for him. Dion Jackson is, is in a good spot just because they, you know, I don't even know if Zach Moss is going to be active and oh, yeah. he just got traded yeah. there and, and they called up, um, they called up Philip Lindsay from the practice squad, but Deion Jackson, the last time we saw him in a starter role, caught 10 passes. I have a feeling that we're going to see Deion Jackson get a lot of work in the passing game, especially with a rookie quarterback. This does feel like, and I know we're, we're not inside the lines, but this does feel like a Patriots blow. Like they cover the five point spread at home yeah. there. I just feel like Bill Belichick is going to have a field day. And, and unfortunately, Sam Ellinger is going to be at the, he's going to take the brunt of that punishment. I do wonder, I, I do wonder how uh, George, uh, Dave and Cam are going to feel about this game. I bet, I bet uh, not very good. I, it's, this is not a Colts Patriots matchup of yesteryear where it was like Peyton Manning oh, and Tom Brady. Ooh, an injured Mac Jones versus Sam Ellinger as the uh, next iteration of the Colts Patriots rivalry. Um, speaking of Mac Jones and those Patriots. Yeah. Like uh, not a lot has gone right for Mac Jones. I think if you avoid, if you can avoid starting him, in any way, shape, or form, I think you should. Even in two QB leagues, there are probably better options than Mac Jones. Just the passing volume isn't really there. I think in, you know he's been injured and not super accurate even when he has been healthy. I think the big thing with this game is that I don't believe Damian Harris is going to play. He has some kind of illness. And so yeah. with, with that being the case, a reminder, Stevenson, fire him up as a pretty nice RB2, I dare say. It's just, the only reason I don't have him ranked as an RB1 is really only because the Colts defense is like not terrible. So I, I do I think that's really the only reason. But having said that, Ramondre Stevenson over the past three weeks has averaged 15.3 rushing attempts per game. Uh, he has double digit carries in literally every game except for weeks one and two, right? So he took over when 
Harris missed some time with an injury, and he just hasn't really looked back, right? He's been really good. So you, I think you start. You can probably start Ramondre Stevenson every single week at this point, but uh, doubly so when Damian Harris is out. And we answered this question kind of when we did the text line, but Jacoby Myers is pretty much the only reliable pass-catching option you can really start. And even then, he's probably like a very low-end WR2, maybe even a high-end WR3. But, I mean, still, Devontae Parker is out. They don't really seem to involve the tight ends passing-wise. Kendrick Bourne is a non-factor. Tyquan Thornton, I guess you can flex him if, you, if you're like in a 16 or 18-team league, but that's probably it. Like, it's pretty much Ramondre Stevenson and Myers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and just on Ramondre Stevenson, I actually think he's in for a big week just because of the reasons that you mentioned. There's just They don't use a whole heck of a lot of anybody else yeah. in this offense. He's RB7 on the season, and... The preseason hype train is is coming to fruition with Ramondre Stevenson. I remember having conversations with people about Stevenson, and they're like, oh, he's never going to be the pass-catching back. He's just not good enough. He's plenty good enough. He's been way better than anybody, I think, could have thought in that role, and he's just the bell cow. He is one of the very few bell cows that we have left, and I don't think anybody saw that considering that Damian Harris was coming off of a 15 touchdown season. Yeah. So I, I I do like Stevenson as an RB one this week, Jacoby Myers, like the Colts have given up the seventh, the second fewest points per game to opposing wide receivers. I don't think anybody saw that, but if there's one guy that you could trust, I agree. It's Jacoby Myers. Let's get to one more start set before we take a quick break here, Matt, let's do bills at jets. Another uh, AFC East matchup. And the Jets have obviously struggled without Brees Hall. I certainly looked, it looked pretty good for Garrett Wilson against the, the New England Patriots last week. He, he did have one huge catch for, I think it was like 54 yards. I think he finished the day with over 100 yards receiving. So that's great to see after the Joe Flacco to Zach Wilson switch basically completely torpedoed any real usage, any value for Garrett Wilson. So maybe with no Corey Davis, he is out. With no Corey Davis, maybe this does mean more uh, more sunny days ahead for Garrett Wilson. But, I mean, beyond Garrett Wilson, I'm not really sure you're starting Michael Carter as anything beyond a bi-week fill-in or a flex play. I mean, James Robinson, the other thing with him at the very least is that he does have a knee injury. So it does look like he, if he doesn't play, he will be limited at the very least. So if you're starting Michael Carter, just keep that in mind. But then again, you're also starting most players today on the Jets against the Buffalo Bills, who are a very, very good defense, if not the best defense. So it just any Jets player, you probably want to temper your expectations. Anyone is probably no higher than a flex play. I don't know if you feel differently about like, I don't know, Elijah Moore or Braxton Berrios or Conklin. But for me, it's really Garrett Wilson and, and Michael Carter, and that's it. Well, and and even, yeah, like Michael Carter going into the Bills defense is, is it's never a good thing. No, no. Um, but it's funny how it took, you know, Corey Davis and basically benching um, Elijah Moore for Garrett Wilson to be relevant again after he was so good at the beginning of the season. But yeah, Wilson and the Bills get Trey White. I think Trey White's playing this week. Um, so he, I know he was activated. So I'm assuming he's going to play. And that's just a tough secondary now. Yeah. The the saving grace here is is that no Matt Milano. So Conklin is a better start than we probably would generally expect because Matt Milano is one of the better cover corners in the league. But still, I'm not I'm not really looking much into this Jets offense today. And it's just it's so it's such a weird offense. The defense is what's been really kind of getting it done for them. James Robinson is, I believe, a game time decision. So I wouldn't be 
I would be very cautious about starting him as well. Yeah, I think so too. Like there's a, there's certainly a real possibility that in the coming weeks, or if he does, if he is healthy, that maybe he is worked into the game plan like a little bit more. But again, it's not it's not something you want to be you want to be banking on, even though it is a heavy bye week here in week nine. I don't I don't think you want to be really be banking on that. Um, for the for the Buffalo Bills, again, you're starting Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs every week. Uh, after them, though, Devin Singletary, Gabe Davis, probably the next most interesting players. Naheem Hines, I mean, look, he, he was acquired on Tuesday. You probably want to wait until you ever, until you ever like flip a guy like that into the lineup, just because you never really know how he's how he's going to be used. And at the best of times, the Buffalo Bills very very little use their their running back. So again, Devin Singletary, probably like a mid to low end RB two for me. Um, maybe like the only reason I, I would consider starting Devin Singletary today is if you believe the bills are going to get up game script wise early on the New York jets, then I think what you have to do is consider starting Devin Singletary because they're just going to grind the clock a little bit. But then again, on the flip side, we've also seen the bills have no regard for other teams defenses and you'll see them up like 45 to three and still be throwing the ball in the third quarter. So I it just, it depends on how you feel this game will go. The jets defense is like stingy enough that it might still be close. So maybe you still want to use Devin Singletary regardless, but that's pretty much like how I view Devin Singletary in a week where the bills are probably very heavily favored. Yeah, and and the the thing is too is the Jets run defense has been really good this year. So that's that's part of the equation. Naheem Hines is just super interesting because Singletary does have 23 catches in seven games. That does include a nine catch game against the Chiefs. So I get it. Um what what I'm actually most curious about in this game is the matchup between Stephon Diggs and Sauce Gardner. Yeah. Like, is that gonna open up Gabe Davis after what was a dud last week in a game that he was matched up basically the entire time against Jair Alexander. And then he, Jair Alexander did get a little bit of Stefan Diggs, but more of Gabe Davis. So I think that this is going to open up Gabe Davis a little bit more. I like him as a wide receiver, like a back-end wide receiver too. Obviously, you're going to start Stefan Diggs. But as for the running backs, I mean, I, I'm you can still start Devin Singletary because I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries. And you're right. In a game that could end up being a blowout, um, the Bills are... are more than 10 point favorites against the five and three division rival on the road. That's a lot of, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. So yeah, Singletary, I think should get some work. Be curious to see if James cook is just phased out of the offense completely. Cause last week he was really good against the Packers. He had almost as many yards total as Devin Singletary did on like nine less touches. So be super interesting to see what happens here. Yeah, Bills Jets one of the one of the games on today in the AFC East, and again, Bills super heavily favored. But I, I am you're right though. I am curious to see what Sauce Gardner does to Stephon Diggs. I mean, Stephon Diggs is averaging like 24 points a game in PPR leagues, so uh, he he is on track to finish as the wide receiver one in PPR leagues. I think half PPR leagues as well. So I, I am curious to see if Gardner slows him down at all. Honestly, if Gardner does manage to slow down Stephon Diggs in any way, shape, or form today, I'm already I feel good about calling him a top 10 quarterback if he's not all ready honest honestly which is pretty crazy to say but uh yeah it's been a it's been a pretty crazy year for the new york jets certainly for the buffalo bills as well that game goes a little later on this afternoon uh, let's take a very quick break when we come back five more start sits to get to on the fantasy show show and matt on the Sportsnet radio network One more segment to go on the fantasy show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you. Breaking down week nine across the NFL. Matt, let's wrap up our start sits 
five more games to go. Vikings at Commanders is our next start sit here as we welcome you back to the program. Uh, let's start with with Kirk Cousins. I mean, he had a he had a 17 yard TD on the ground, but I mean, hey, it's always you don't expect that with Kirk Cousins. It was great to see. I think against the Commanders, probably a QB two. You're starting Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson any week anyways so adam thielen and i guess tj hawkinson are the interesting starts again i don't know how much you want to trust tj hawkinson in his first week with a new team you kind of want to see how it goes but uh, adam thielen i guess a flex play for me is where i fall on adam thielen yeah washington's defense has not been great against the pass they have allowed the eighth most points per game to wide receivers and 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 let's you know as we look at adam thielen over the course of the last couple weeks he has at least, sorry, in every game this year, he has at least seven targets Ooh. and, you know, he's, he's had a couple of dud weeks, but you know, last week he had six catches for 67 yards, which is still pretty good. And then the week before he only had four catches for 36 yards, but caught a touchdown. So he's been, he's been a pretty solid flex start going through. And I think that continues uh, TJ Hawkinson, the interesting one here, as, as I do agree with you, um, it's just it's hard when pass catchers change teams midseason. Like there's a lot that goes into it, and then especially for a tight end because it, maybe it's different blocking schemes. And TJ Hawkinson's a really good blocker, but it's all on how quickly he can adjust to the playbook in a week that has so many either injuries or uh, bye weeks at the position. Um, I, I, I think you can start TJ Hawkinson, but you really have to temper expectations. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think you, again, TJ or pardon me, tight ends being so barren, you might not, you might not have a choice, but at the same time, I think eh, you, again, you can't, you can't be expecting 10 points from TJ Hawkinson in his first week. If it happens, then it's great, but yeah, not expectations, temper those Washington commander side of things. I, I would probably start uh, to sit rather Taylor Heineke this week, just because the Vikings, uh, they're a better team than the other teams that the Commanders have played in the last couple of weeks. I know they are 2-0 since Heineke's taken over, but that's more about like the play, people they've played more than him, I would say. Um, but still, he has been fantasy relevant, but I just, I think they're, they're, you're, I'm hoping you have better options than Heineke this week. If you have to start him, I guess a mid-tier QB2. Um, Antonio Gibson is my favorite play out of the, out of the running backs just because McKissick and Robinson both kind of well McKissick doesn't get a lot of run and Robinson Jr. doesn't get a lot of carries in like he doesn't get enough carries to be relevant for me personally again with uh, bye weeks being what they are you might have to start him but Gibson probably is my favorite guy because he's I think he's just the most dynamic option on the team and again from a pass catching standpoint you got Terry McLaurin Scary Terry and Curtis Samuel and I, I think like week to week, Scary Terry is probably like a W, like a middling WR2 with the potential for more. And Heineke does throw the ball his way more, which is probably why he gets a teensy bit of a boost these past couple of weeks. But he uh, he's very talented and usually talent wins out, but not not all the time, as we know, Matt. Yeah, we've we've seen that before. I mean, it took a, ch- a quarterback change from Carson Wentz to Taylor Heineke for Terry McLaurin to be relevant, which is ridiculous. But uh, Antonio Gibson, I agree, most impressive back. And last week, he had seven catches for 58 yards and had a receiving touchdown. He did have seven carries. It was only it was only 19 yards on those carries. But he's just been he's just the more dynamic back. I, I don't know what else to say. No J.D. McKissick today. So I think it's really wheels up Antonio Gibson this week in a game that they're probably going to be chasing. Uh, Terry McLaurin, like I mentioned, he's back. 
Um, he's been really good since the quarterback change. Curtis Samuel, last two weeks, 79 total yards, and they've been using him out of the backfield as well, which is it just kind of muddies that whole backfield situation even more, which is so unbelievably ridiculous when you have a player like Antonio Gibson. But if you look at last week, I mean, the leading rusher was Taylor Heineke with 29 yards. Curtis Samuel was tied with him with 29 yards. Brian Robinson had eight carries for 20 yards. Antonio Gibson, seven carries for 19 yards. It's just a situation that if they're going to continue to use Curtis Samuel like that, he offers some value. He had three catches for 50 yards and four carries for 29 yards. The previous week, five catches for 53 yards, five carries for 26 yards. He's got a pretty decent floor here, which has been kind of the whole season like that for him. Yeah, back-to-back games with at least 89 scrimmage yards and yeah, pretty 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 decent flex option I'd say for for you if you're again struggling with bye weeks this week. Uh Seahawks at Cardinals, our next game here, Geno Smith certainly has looked pretty great. Uh again, I think probably a, a lower end or pardon me, a, a middle end QB2 just because the Cards defense is is not it's not terrible. It certainly can be had, but I think you have you have, might have better options this week, but still Geno Smith has been pretty consistent to the point where even though the running game with Kenneth Walker is probably the main source of points, you think you can certainly start Geno Smith most weeks. And yeah, again, by weeks being what they are, this is definitely one of those weeks as well. Uh, Walker is an RB one, I would say. And with Metcalf and Lockett, DK Metcalf played through the knee injury last week and still caught six passes for 55 yards in a touchdown. The first time Metcalf played the Cardinals this year, he was covered pretty well by Byron Murphy. He allowed only two receptions for 34 yards. I I think he'll probably be better than that, but I think it does make me basically, again, use the word temper expectations. Probably WR2, WR3 for Metcalf Lockett this week. Yeah, Tyler Lockett's actually been really good good which i'm i'm actually i i never i never know what to expect going into a season with tyler lockett because he's generally speaking has been boom or bust over the course of his career and, he, and he's been great but it's you haven't been able to kind of rely on him on a week in and week out basis over the course of his career but show this season you have absolutely been able to rely on tyler lockett he's wide receiver 15 on the year, I believe he's actually ahead of DK Metcalf. He is, and and it's just he's just been the more consistent option. And I wonder if that's why he threw shade at Russell Wilson because he's getting the ball on a little bit more of a consistent basis from Geno Smith. But the most intriguing thing to me that was said about the Seahawks team was actually from Pete Carroll, and he said we haven't even unleashed Kenneth Walker yet. So I would love to know what that looks like because he's been insanely good since taking over from Rashad Penny after he got hurt. Here's the here is the either tr- the it's kind of the trap or you're gonna look like a genius start. Do you dare start Noah Fant against this horrible Arizona defense against tight ends? Because last week he was a dud in which in which was a pretty decent matchup. This week it's almost the ultimate matchup against the Cardinals. Do you dare start him with all the issues going on at tight end this week? You might have to, honestly. Like you might have to in the end. Just like consistency is a big is a big thing for tight ends, and we haven't seen it a lot from Noah Fant, but it's definitely not a bad option. The Cards defense allowing the second most fantasy points 
to opposing tight ends. Um, on the card side of things, real quick here, Matt, uh, you, look, we don't need us to tell you to start Ertz, Hopkins, or Murray. The question really is, do you start James Conner, given that he is coming back? He was limited all week in practice with a rib injury. He has been out since week five. He has not been an RB1 fantasy point-wise at any point this season. So he has a smash start against the Seahawks. They're one of the worst defenses receiving-wise against running backs. So I, I wonder, do you... If he plays, do you start him? It certainly looks like he will play, but it will be in a limited capacity. And if that's the case, I think it, it hurts both him and Eno Benjamin, even if Connor does figure to get the the lion's share of the carries today. Yeah, I feel like it's just, they, yeah, I agree. They kind of cancel each other out. If you're the Cardinals, how do you just sit Eno Benjamin yeah. and just run James Connor based on how Eno Benjamin has played, right? I think they're both probably flex plays at best. Um, just because there is a chance for James Conner to re-aggravate his injury. And James Conner hasn't been, like, from a football injury standpoint, and I'm not talking, because I know some jackass is going to say, oh, well, yeah, you're talking about him having cancer. No. From a football injury perspective, James Conner has not been able to stay healthy throughout the duration of his career. There's always something. So I'm going to stay away from James Conner. I'm probably going to stay away from Eno Benjamin if I can. But in terms of everybody else, Seattle's the Seattle is actually the worst team in the league against tight ends, even though the Cardinals just always look worse. But statistically, Seattle's the worst team against the tight end position. I think Zach Ertz is in for a better week. The only issue is, are they going to throw the ball to to DeAndre Hopkins all the time now? Because that's what it feels like. I know Rondell Moore was back in the slot and had a good week last week. I like him as well. But Nuke has gone nuclear. Yeah, DeAndre, it's been insane. Yeah, DeAndre I'm Hopkins, shocked. He has been targeted 27 times, and he has caught 22 of them for 262 yards and a touchdown. He has been absolutely ridiculous. The 10-year vet, back-to-back WR1 weeks. Um, let's get. We got to boogie through these last couple of games here, Matt. So let's go through them really quickly. Uh, Rams at Buccaneers. Uh, the Rams. Look, you're not starting any of these running backs. I think Ronnie Rivers, Malcolm Brown, Darrell Henderson. You're not starting any of them. Kyrie, Kyron Williams was not activated this week, so he has one more chance to be activated. I believe next weekend. So we'll monitor that. But I don't think you want to start any of these guys, anyways, with this porous offensive line. Uh, Matthew Stafford himself probably a QB two, and basically it's Cooper Cup. It's just Cooper Cup as the WR one. He has been great. They basically funnel passes to him to use a term we used earlier. It's Cooper Cup and no one else. And then on the Buccaneers side of things, Brady, Fournette, and Evans are probably all like QB two, RB two, WR two based on how the season has gone for them. Godwin probably a slightly lesser WR two. Look, am I missing anyone here? I don't think so. I mean, the only thing I would keep an eye on Cooper cup does have the ankle injury and Allen Robinson has five catches in each of the last two weeks. He's getting more involved. I do wonder if they get him more involved this week because Cooper cup does have that ankle injury, which he got for unforeseen reasons why he was on the field. Uh, I still have Mike Evans as a wide receiver, one type start Godwin back end wide receiver two. Leonard Fournette should get a ton of work in this one as well. Yeah, you, you would you would think he's going to see the ball a lot, right? He is a sheer volume, passing work, getting the ball, handing the ball off to him. He is he is definitely a guy you can slot in as probably an every week RB two. But you gotta you gotta remember that when the Buccaneers' offense struggles, he's not going to see the ball because Brady's just going to throw the ball a million times a game. Um, Titans at Chiefs is the Sunday nighter tonight. I believe Ryan Tannehill is out uh malik willis is going to be getting the start if that's the case but i mean look either way this is probably going to be the case all season long 
The only player you can really comfortably start from this offense will be Derrick Henry because he just beats guys into submission at the line of scrimmage. He is absolutely phenomenal. But it's pretty much Derrick Henry and no one else. Like I don't know if you're really feeling that great about starting Robert Woods or Westbrook Ekine or anyone like that. It's really just Derrick Henry. And then on the Kansas City ch- side of things, we, we kind of talked about this earlier with Miko Hardman, but you're starting Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on a week-to-week basis. The question for me really is how, because again, it's hard to predict how the running backs will go in this one because, you know, they Jacob will start, is CEH starting? They basically have gone on a record to say that it doesn't really matter who starts. It just, they're going to ride the hot hand in game. So that makes it difficult to start on a week to week basis. Both guys probably flex plays, but Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Mikko Hardman, and Kadarius Tony now added to the mix. I mean, I, it's hard to really parse out any of these guys, but I guess Juju is a middling WR2 based on the chemistry he has shown in the couple, last couple of weeks before the bye week. Yeah, I kind of look at it as Juju is the wide receiver one here. MVS is the wide receiver two. Nicole Hardman's the wide receiver three. And then Kadarius Tony has a chance to kind of weasel his way in there. And, and maybe apparently they really liked him in the draft process and yeah. the giants just got ahead of them to draft him. So, I mean, there's an opportunity here, um, but it, it, it is a hard, I would, I would be starting MVS over Hardman this week just because of the matchup. But with that being said, they they use McCole Hardman all over the field, and that's really frustrating. But in terms of a pass catcher, I have Juju 1, MVS 2, and then Hardman 3. Yeah, Hardman plays on just under 60% of the snaps for uh, for Kansas City. And Juju, it's interesting, uh, MVS, comparing the two of them, Juju has more targets than MVS, 44 to 35, but MVS has run 240 routes to Juju's 236. So it's pretty close. It gets a pretty close margin here, but I think you're probably right. It probably is Juju for now, but it it has the potential to be anyone on a week-to-week basis. But again, the best bet is probably Juju from the Schuster. Um, Our last game of the week, Ravens-Saints. That's the Monday nighter. Again, we talked about Lamar Jackson missing a whole boatload of his targets and weapons and offensive line pieces and so on and so forth. Uh, No Gus Edwards, or at least he's doubtful. We won't know if he's actually out probably until Monday night, but certainly looks like Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews will not play. If that's the case, Kenyon Drake becomes, I guess, the de facto RB to to own, I suppose. But it's just, I don't know how, you know, probably RB middling RB2 just because we know Lamar, Lamar Jackson himself. I almost said Lamar Drake. Lamar Jackson himself is the guy who is going to be running the ball most days. Devin DuVernay with no Rashad Bateman does get a little bit of a boost, but I feel like the, the target to own here for the Ravens probably in the end is, is Isaiah Likely. Yeah, he was, and let's not forget, Isaiah likely was a preseason MVP type guy, right? And I know that doesn't mean a lot because we've seen, you know, players flash in the preseason, but he was really good and six catches, 77 yards and one touchdown. It feels like he should be rostered anyway because he's a really good player. Um, Duvernay, I agree, gets a bump. I'm curious to see if Deshaun Jackson is active, how he fits into this roster because they just don't have a lot to throw to. Exactly. Yeah. There's. A, I'm. I, I'm not so sure you want to be rostering DJX just for like the one week before the Ravens go on their bye week, which is probably also why they can afford to be cautious with Gus Edwards and with Mark Andrews. Because what's the point of rushing two of your best players back and then have them get injured or re-aggravate any injuries right before your bye week? Might as well give them the week off. That seems to be how things are trending. But I think otherwise, Kenyon Drake. Isaiah Likely, and of course, Lamar himself definitely are guys you can start. And for the Saints, Andy Dalton has been a QB2. You're starting Alvin Kamara. You're starting Chris Olave. No Michael Thomas. He is done for the season. No Jarvis Landry in this one. So I guess Taysom Hill is the only other guy. And the ceiling for Taysom Hill is nice, but eh, the floor is pretty low.
<laughs> yeah, the floor floor sucks. Uh, floor is lava. Uh, Chris Olave season continues, and Andy Dalton is a sneaky good start because the it feels this still feels like a high scoring game, and they're gonna have to throw the ball around a lot. I'm just shocked that Andy Dalton is still starting games in 2022. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, that does it for the start sits here on the fantasy show. Uh, Matt, good luck to your fantasy players this week. Good luck to everyone's fantasy players this week. Again, you can text us. At 590-590, name and location on the People's Text Line will answer all of your fantasy football start-sit questions before the games get going at 1 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk to you next Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the Sportsnet Radio Network.